Right on radio. Right on radio. Now if I can just find you. Okay. I shut every window I can find. Very good, very good. So listen, we just have a couple quick announcements and then we want to take questions for Tom from the chat. Jesse and I are going to be monitoring the chat because Tom shut down his other windows, thankfully. And we're going to ask your questions to Tom and get it straight from the man himself. But I just have a couple quick announcements to go through. First of all, if you have signed up for the Shepherd of the Sheeple Army, you have been contacted. Only about half of you have responded. So you may want to check your clutter box or whatever. It would be an email from right on Terry, who is coordinating things. And by the way, if you have not signed up to be a part of the Shepherd of the Sheeple Army, we are still recruiting. And you can send your note to writeonjeff at gmail.com. Now, I'm not going to respond to you directly, but I do want to read your notes. And some people have put some really detailed notes. If you're not sure what you will do, we have a whole bunch of categories that you can fit into. And yes, this is a legitimate army we are building. Right, Jesse? Oh, Jesse's muted. Let me fix that. I said yes, absolutely. And we have actually defined the battlefields. And yes, we are going to battle. It is a peaceful army, but it's going to be very effective. And there's also going to be some benefits that we're not going to tell you about right now about joining the Shepherd of the Sheeple Army, but there will be benefit to you, not to mention you're in the service of goodness, which can only be a good thing for you. So let me first start out by saying, because I sometimes forget to mention it, you got to go to Jesse's website, illuminatethedarkness.com. Also, Tom has a website, which you should go back because he's updating it all the time. And that is redpillrising.org. Now, a lot of people have asked for Tom's telegram address, and I'm going to get him to give that to you in a couple of minutes. I don't think it has right off the top, but also check the description box of these videos. Uh, now the live one, I didn't write the description box beforehand. However, I will add to it and I'm gonna put Jesse's PayPal or Patreon rather in there. So that's important if you want to support her. And let me just see what else I have to discuss. Uh, well, those are the basic things. So I'm going to take the first question and introduce Tom with that. Tom, welcome again to Right On Radio. Thanks, Jeff. Good to see you, Jesse. Great. You as well. So I actually have the video lined up, but I don't think I'm going to even bother playing it. Most people have probably seen it by now. It's going viral. But there is a video of the fake White House. And the video actually shows the... Uh, acting Pedotus going into this fake set that he's been broadcasting from. So we have proof and we know that the wallpaper is different. The curtains are different than it was on the 19th, for instance. So 
We know that. But what is interesting is, you know, I'm, I'm in this little Intel group with Tom on Telegram. And I think we don't want to make that Intel group, uh, you know, public because we just have a really tight team, really good team of diggers in there and uh, communicating with Tom. But one thing that came out was in Tom's script, there is actually a fake White House. So Tom, my question to you is give us the context of that fake White House. And it's just amazing how all this stuff is coming to fruition from your script. That's right. It's weird. The timing's perfect now. Everything's coming to fruition after decades with the script having written basically everything in it. And uh, it seems that they're trying to recreate uh, the world of that screenplay. So they're basically, like we said, putting us in our own story. They're imitating everything from it. Uh, you're seeing all these Easter eggs show up in films. And yes, the fake White House. And when I wrote these things, I wasn't sure why that would be important when I wrote it exactly, but here it is. If you go to the original, which will be posted, the original Mortal screenplay on page 101, you're gonna see, uh, I'll see if I can hold it up here. I have trouble holding this up. The uh, original or the copy of the Oval Office, and it's right there. And the president who's uh, operating uh, at this time would be named Jacobs, biblical name basically. And he's sitting at this uh, underground, underground fake Oval Office. And he has a key which will detonate the tunnels, which they used in the screenplay. Also on page 124, you have it again. And at that point, uh, it becomes a important moment in the screenplay of both the screenplay of the Immortals and also the Matrix story, where the tunnel, uh, he's down in the wintergreen uh, oval office. And that's right here at the bottom. Winter right Green Overall Office. And by the way, the, the current set is actually owned by Amazon, which is very interesting. Yes. Now, the reason it's called Winter Green is when I pitched the story, I said Zion because of the scriptures I had received prior to making the story. You can see at the bottom, Winter Green Oval Office. And he's sitting there with the crown drawings, crayon drawings that children had drawn of the visions of what was going to come. The squiddies twisting their tail and impaling as they did in the Matrix. They loved it. Joel Silver loved it, Wachowski's loved it. And so he has a key he's going to turn to blow the tunnels, a one-shot key, and that's what he does. He blows the tunnels with his one-shot key. And you can see on this page, that's when the squiddies explode and run into each other and things like that. So the reason it's important is I changed the name from Zion, the underground from Zion, to Wintergreen because I did some research. And Wintergreen was the underground city, underground city, that was gonna be used by our congressmen, senators, uh, survivors that they would pick, elite to pick, to uh, withdraw, you know, survive a winter storm or a winter storm or a nuclear storm. And what I did was I called it the, um, it was under the point. So the architect knew it was under <coughs> the point and the point, they called it the point. And that's where our Neo is dropped to meet uh, Morpheus, his Morpheus, which is uh, Alan Grace in mine. And he meets him at the point. Well, that's the Washington Monument. So you got the tunnel systems under Washington. You've got Wintergreen. I positioned it there from the mountains. I put it there. So it's supposed to be like West Virginia. I moved it to DC. So now we're hearing about the tunnels in DC. We're hearing about the fake Oval Office. We're hearing it. It's like they just took the screenplay and they were drunk on it. All these studios wanted to put it under their names. Uh, so they gave it to the investment firms to claim. And they just went nuts on it. 
In fact, their expert witness who threw our case, one of the ones that threw our case, that they're claiming we owe them $60,000 now? Right, sure, for what? Writing a paper that said Tom Althaus created a fantastic world. So it's, I write this screenplay to change the world so a remnant that have faith and talents can come together, that's the code, to bring them together, to make a difference in our world. And the other side got drunk on that world and wanted to implement it. So they put us in our own story and try to copy that world to the teeth, thinking they'll then look clever. Incredible, and it's it's amazing yeah. how all this stuff is coming out, Jesse, about the uh, the tunnels. And we've been watching the, you know, as we said on the previous show, you know, all these, uh, you know, cars and stuff going into the White House after the lights have been shut down at eleven. They're showing up around two o'clock in the morning, and that, it, you know, we don't know for sure, but reasonable reasonable deduction is saying they're clearing tunnels. Yeah, I mean that's what I fully believe about that, and. You know, it's interesting too. We've talked in a past show about how um, one of the underground cities is called Zion, and so that's interesting that that's in Tom's script. And then, um, you know, that the other thing is that they do have weaponry. You know, when I was younger, I knew they had Poseidon missiles that um and good dog actually did some research on that and found out that the time that i was claiming that i saw those poseidon missiles um that was when a bunch had been declassified and you know they they say that they decommissioned them and so a whole bunch of poseidons were decommissioned well where did they go they all went into those underground tunnel systems by the training centers and that's what they have. You know, they, they have biochemical weapons in those. So it's interesting that even all of that is in your script as well. It, it is fascinating because I just want to interject too that their view of us as a population, we are considered a mob. We're considered a threat. The biggest threat to this FBI, CIA, this country is their own citizens because we could, uh, they think that we're like, that's why they say Z or Z at Zion is the name of the um, email of the guy who took my planted wife from Disney, set her up from Disney, Mike Lang, who they never want his name mentioned now. He, you can't even find him on the web, basically. That's Harvey Weinstein's boss under Michael Eisner, set to steal intellectual property. Their biggest threat they thought wasn't, you know, drugs or, you know, any kind of um, racketeering. It was screenplays. Screenplays could capture the imagination if they're done well. If the writer's worth his salt, he can move a whole population of the world to think a certain idea. And even Inception, it says that idea is the virus. That idea is what will never go away. You can't eradicate it. And so even the Zionist manifesto says that their biggest problem is somebody who plants an idea as a writer who becomes successful and known and celebrated would be the biggest threat, an individual who gets a remnant together. And that's exactly what's happening. So even the guy who uh, shepherded intellectual property theft and is Harvey Weinstein's boss, who took my wife for my birthday, planted wife, his email says Z at Zion. That's telling. Z at Zion. If you watch the movies where they're planning these things, the Z, Z nation, Z is the zombies. And so that's how they look at us. We, the population, are reduced to, they always dehumanize people that are their targets and they want to get rid of. So we are the Zs. We are the zombies. We are the mob. And anybody that leads that mob is a threat to this country and a threat to their plans for the world. It's no mistake that the CIA is what starts that <laughs> screenplay as the baddies. 
And they're the ones that become, they change their name from Central Intelligence Agency, I, I say Central Intelligence Instigators, to Central. They become the world power, the one world orders policing force is our CIA. And what's interesting is there's all kinds of articles going on right now, it just happened yesterday, that are trying to make like the FBI can do whatever they want to any family, even if there's no criminal record, if they've never done anything wrong, if they have, have kept to themselves, they will still bust in with a no-knock entry with weapons drawn and create a scenario in our cover articles, which was just done yesterday for a man in Florida, that, oh, a neighbor who had been a former neighbor says that uh, they were odd. That's it. Then the public believes, well, there was a circus there. There was SWAT team. They must have done something wrong because they came to his house. But what they're doing is they're grabbing evidence and they're using excuses such as, oh, well, he may have downloaded an illicit image off the web. Therefore, we're going to bust in there and take all his computers. This has got to stop. The FBI and the CIA should be disbanded and restructured properly with, with oversight, not these animals that are running around having free reign to break into anybody's home. And that's what they're going to do to my home. But the problem is that since we're doing interviews, they've got a problem. Since I have a manager who's beautiful, smart, and other people like yourselves doing these radio interviews, they got a problem because they can't paint the image of, oh, Tom's crazy, he's dangerous, he's bad. No, I've got all the evidence in the world right here that I did what I did, and I was trying to make a difference in the world. In fact, I did something yesterday where I tried to call the FBI. I tried to call them, let them know, we'll work with you. We'll try to figure out what do you need. You're contacting people. We have a lady who was doing research for us. And what happened was she was contacted on Saturday for four hours with FBI there. And she was done sending us an email saying, or a message saying, I know better to get involved next time. And so what they did was they actually bought her off. That just happened the other day. So they're moving heavy. So I'm still here by the grace of God, by your good hearts, by you doing these radio things, by callers listening, and by seeing, oh, Tom's not that bad because they want to paint me as the biggest monster in the world. I am one of their biggest targets. And the funny thing is that I actually served the FBI. I actually did something where they gave me a card, please extend every courtesy to Tom Althouse from the Sheriff's Department, because I helped catch their biggest criminal and America's most wanted in their season premiere, Robert Witt. The FBI heads took me out to dinner. They said, you know, make sure Tom's watched over and thank you for your service and you've been a great age of our country. Well, now I'm a problem for them. I was even in the Navy SEALs shoot, the movie or the series Navy SEALs with top actors. And there's me right there, also doing my part for this country. Does it make a difference? No. They'll bust in here and say, oh, you downloaded something, or we have a suspicion you did, or something like that. And they'll take all our evidence and try to erase us here. All right, Tom, we've got a number of questions coming up. Uh, and the first one that I saw was, uh, for the people who are being mind controlled, the MK Ultra and stuff like that, is there a trigger planned for the, to activate those people that you're aware of? Yes, absolutely. Um, what happens is, and again, let's go to the screenplay. In the screenplay, what happens is our main character, the Neo counterpart, the Neo character, right? At some point in the screenplay, in the one they actually stole, took away, he gets a message, it's audible. See, it's a transmitter. What happens is you also get a transmitter and at a certain time it'll activate. It's a way to say, oh, you must be crazy. You're hearing voices, but at some point you'll hear something and it's like a radio signal. It's just like a radio signal. It's very simple. And it'll say something like, she's still alive. That's not in the screenplay. So the wife that he loses, which is actually a Trinity character, uh, they actually had a relationship in the original. Um, she's still alive. And he hears that and realizes that, that goes right where the architect wants him to go. It sends him down a path where he ends up going to where he thinks she'll be. 
And that's all planned out for a setup for him to appear where he shouldn't be for his purposes. So yeah, it's a trigger. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So you got a couple of lined up, Jesse? I do. So with, so as you're talking about that trigger, um, is there a way that you are familiar with to remove that? Apparently there's no way right now to get rid of it that's known in the circles I know. Even the contacts tell me you'll never get rid of it because it's nanotech. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is if you look at the um, uh, images from some of the movies, go to iRobot or something like that, look at the newspaper stand. And they joke, again, that mob mentality, zombie public, right? You're the enemy. If you're in America, you're the enemy, the FBI and CIA. They don't give a sh shite about you. They don't care about you at all. You have things they want. They could use your home. They can use your uh, information. They can use your computers. They can take whatever they want from you. You're simply an asset or a liability. And so what they're going to do is they'll, they'll uh, trap you. They'll tra track you, things like that. But what you can do is... Um, uh, give me the question one more time because I went off on a tangent. I'm asking if there's anything to get rid of that nanotechnology. Good question. No. In fact, they, the newspaper stand, the reason I was mentioning it in the film, it has a shot of it saying nanotech is beyond our wildest dreams and things like this. They're actually sticking in there, you know, in the, in the newspaper shot on the stand for a split second. These split second things are Easter eggs. If you're looking for clues in the films, look for the split second things. They even, uh, they even say they're in there for the director's purposes, make it interesting. There's no way to remove nanotech right now. There's no way. It's, it's got part biology, part uh, tech. And since they said it's beyond their wildest dreams, they'll cover it by saying, as this comes out, you'll hear them say more and more, well, it's medical technology. It's gonna keep you safe. It'll help if your children are taken, we'll be able to track them and see where they are. We'll be able to hear what's being said. Um, we'll be able to take care of getting rid of tumors, uh, finding out isolating problems in your body. We'll have a full-time round the clock, basically robotic a medical team in you where anything that's wrong will be uh, spotted right away, taken care of as you live and breathe without even going to the hospital. You're gonna hear this in the future really soon, probably from Elon Musk. But the oh. thing is that that's what's gonna happen. So there's the next thing he's gonna come up with. If he hasn't said it yet, that's what he's gonna come up with from the oh, actual guy. Tom, we got so many questions we gotta to get to. I'm gonna keep you on track this morning, Tom. Go ahead. There's a lot of layers to this, so I'm happy you're putting it down. But just, just a quick comment on that before. I, I followed some people who, um, you know, have been struggling with Morgellons and stuff like that. And a lot of people are saying the Morgellons is really nanotechnology inside of people. And in fact, I know someone who personally has been struggling with this, and he's basically been able to prove these nanochips have been put into him. And this yeah. guy's a real fighter. And so there's a whole team of people working on it. And what they have found is that using these super powerful magnets, they've been able to deactivate them. So this isn't medical advice coming from Jeff. I'm just saying there's whenever there's always people working on solving these problems. All right. They are. I, yeah, I appreciate that too. Now the magnets, we've been trying the magnets. They really haven't worked yet for us. People have been saying, take, um, you know, to set down, there's signals that activate it and they do set up like, you'll look for white vans or things like that. They're, they keep it, they want you to know it's happening if you're an isolated target, right? Make it look crazy. So look for white vans. Lately, it's been charcoal gray vans, white vans. They are the ones that operate these signals, usually mobile units. They only need something about this big to send that, that trigger signal out, which can activate things where these things will then go to where they're supposed to go and you'll have the headaches, you'll have the nausea, you'll have actually blood pulling in your right foot 
and uh, your leg will get extremely sharp pain, like somebody stuck an ice pick in your leg. You're gonna have the feeling of a concussion. You're gonna have uh, sounds or ringing, like the cricket sound, usually in the right ear. And it's gonna sound like this. With a top layer that's gonna be of a high pitch. Those affects motor systems in your body. Also your ability to concentrate. What they'll do in the end is take you away and say you had sleep deprivation, therefore you should be shut away as crazy and dangerous society in a insane asylum for life. All right, Tom, <laughs> next question. And and, I, and by the way, Mary or Meezy, I've got your question. It's fantastic. I'm going to get to that. But because you talked about the insane asylum and stuff like that, one of the questions that came up, Tom, is what brought you to Canada in the first place? Good question. The Planted Wife. The Planted Wife, again, was out of Eisner. If you want to see the real baddie in it, it's Eisner of Disney, Christopher Nolan, from Universal Studios, Joel Silver, Steelberg, they call him. The Hollywood studios are in direct bed with FBI and CIA. They are married together. The studios are on uh, FBI's buildings on Wilshire Boulevard. The investment firms in Hollywood are on Wilshire Boulevard. They even say the same boulevard. So what you've got is the Hollywood center is the heartbeat of evil, basically. Then they have their centers like you know other places. But what brought me to Canada? Uh, Mike Lang had picked a prostitute out of Modesto, California and posed her on Mally where I was to position her to be my wife. It's like total recall. And they did a good job at it. She also had the landlord was given her free rent sex for trade, Anthony Rankin, who was an attorney on um, Maui, who was unlicensed, suspended license uh, in California. That was also a classmate of Warner Brothers. So what I'm saying is this whole tie-in goes together. So what sends me to Canada? This planted wife comes my way and she's supposed to introduce the uh, un unsolicited attorney to throw our case at the right time. So she, at the end of all this story where she throws everything and makes sure everything's destroyed, she has her breakup party, goes back to who? Mike Lang of Disney at Spokane, Washington, playground of Hollywood. And at the right time, she has this guy show up named um, Jason. He shows up at our uh, yard because she, Becca has us go to Spokane, Washington. That's the playground. That's the center staging area. So we go there after the cases are thrown. The last thing we do as a family, here's their criminal record and all the warrants are expunged out of Modesto, California courts. That's the last thing we do. It wasn't a picnic, it wasn't go fly kites. It was go expunge your record. Well, Mike Lang set that up. No questions asked. The judge just says when it comes to her, it's all gonna be expunged now. No reasons. So that's the payoff. Up she goes to Spokane, Washington where she wants success. And this guy comes up to the uh, fence there at the home. What we just talked about the morning was uh, Aiden and I woke up, Becca woke up, and I said, boy, it seems like, right, you know. Tom, you got to slow down a little bit. Because right, every right, time get I time have you on, someone's been saying, look, you got to slow him down All right, a little well, here bit. You go. There's a lot of information, but here you go. I'll slow this part down. This guy comes to the fence in Spokane, Washington, puts his arms on the fence right after Becca and I, the planted wife, had said, you know, they're probably gonna smash your head in because you wrote, you know, you wrote this thing and they're disgusted that you wrote it and they couldn't, they'll probably in the end just smash your head in. The guy comes up to the fence and says, I like to smash things in with rocks. So Becca comes up behind me and goes, oh, this is just somebody on drugs. No, the guy was talking perfectly clear. He was an operative. And he was saying, you know, I used to be very successful and wealthy in Hollywood, now I'm not, but I will be again. And he's sitting there, you know, can I come in? Can I talk to you? And Becca's like, you know, saying, let's just go inside, Tom. And then she uses that to say, you need to go to Canada now. You and Aiden need to leave. So the next thing we're doing is, okay, <laughs> we go down to the bank and we get the statement I still have, signed and notarized, where Becca says, please admit Tom and Aiden into Canada. 
to operatives homes where she was friends with Lauren and Derek, um, I forget the last name now, where they, Stratton. So we go to Canada with an operative right down the street, three doors down, which is operating for Trudeau's government. They're a car, uh, charcoal um, Mazda, which will come up onto your yard, deliver something at 3 a.m. on Christmas Eve. That's not when governments to, you know, to deliver papers, uh, which said I was attacking the government. Uh, Aiden and I were attacking Trudeau's administration or something. And this whole thing ensues where we go to Canada. And that was a setup where then I was hauled off to the mental institution when I'd gone in the hospital for a headache after I was run down by a car. And they, instead of getting treated for the migraine, I'm told that I'm gonna be detained because I have sleep deprivation. And this doctor had seen my website and I'm one of 50 that claims I wrote the matrix. Therefore I should be shut away for life and I'm not gonna have any hearing or any, any say on it. That's the first 302 attempt. Mm, crazy. And this, but just a quick follow up. How long ago was that you were in Canada? Just a quick answer on that. Then, Jesse. 2018. 2018. 2018. 2018. All right. Back to Jesse. Crazy. Yeah. So, Tom, according to your script, or if we're looking at your original script, mm-hmm. where in that time frame would you say we are right now? It's like, interesting. I think the other side's panicking. So, we're all over the pages now. Usually we could pinpoint one particular spot like the Oval Office. Well, we definitely see the Oval Office, don't we? Right. If we're going by that particular marker uh, in the screenplay where they're lifting and doing, imitating, then we're right at the end. We're right before Armageddon. We're right before we reduce the population. Reduce the population to make it a sustainable planet so the elite can have their playground. Very good. Um, Oh, that's hopeful. So let me just let me just interject there because we're not going to sit there. <coughs> that's their plan. Mm-hmm. God right. is control of the timing on this event, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. He's promised us a harvest first. Well, that's creepy to that's me right. too. It's great you said that. Creepy in the sense that while wow, the chills go, because in the screenplay it says, "Let the harvest begin." all there it's like their bible yep wow the next question was what do you see coming around the corner but i think we kind of answered that that you know on their timeline they want to depopulate but on god's timeline he plans to bring about this great harvest what you're going to see too jesse is you're going to see people disappearing more you're going to see elite disappearing they're going to be set aside for the reset and this plan you're going to see some of us like myself disappear and you'll see somebody like my sister or a neighbor or somebody will come up be paid off to say oh he was odd that's all they have to say you know to himself or he was angry guy they're trying to say angry bipolar suicidal now i'm not i love life my writing shows that my son my manager knows that but the thing is that's where anybody's going through this the best thing to do is don't be alone they want to isolate you be alone be with people you love be, if you're moving your old parents' home, do it. You've got to be with other people. They want to isolate. That's part of the playbook. But yeah, yeah, I see that we're right at that point where they want to wrap this up. But you're going to see people like myself disappear. We're going to disappear. But I don't believe it's going to happen because thanks to you guys doing this and the public being aware, they can't spin the narrative they want to spin where, oh, he was the odd, dangerous guy. No, I'm an educated genius, basically. You know, that's what I was rated as. And I've got the material and evidence to prove it which I'm willing to share with the FBI, nothing to hide. 
Tom, you always give us so much to work with. And, and by the way, just a, a quick note, uh, you can use their own writings for their timings because they've published Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. And so, right. you know, it's, uh, it's out there. Well, let's tell them what's next for them. Let's tell them what's next for the FBI and CIA. What's next is we're going to publish the playbook. We're going to write down every tactic you used and how you hurt your own citizens. We're also going to put down how to investigate everything like the Cuba crisis, where those people were implanted with this stuff we're talking about. For those of you out there, look up the Cuban embassies. Canada and U.S. were the ones targeted. Who did it? The FBI. They're using their toys. Who did the investigation? The FBI. Who did the investigation? The Twin Towers. And then they covered up, don't they? Evidence isn't shown to the public. It's all swept away. It's carried off in trucks. What happened to the Pentagon? The pieces of the plane were what, the size of acorns that carried off? Little shards are carried off? A DC, what, a plane that's, uh, engines are just carried off? It's time to rewake and look at the things and say, look, the FBI is covering up everything. They need to be removed and, and they're a problem in this country. They're made for espionage. So I actually have the video of the, uh, of the two buildings with the explosions mm -hmm. and nothing flying towards them. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. It's it's amazing what they have done. Keep in mind that Lauren Holmberg, the CIA operative that approached me in the Masons and said I was one of the elite now, told me that the, they can't believe, they cannot believe, their, their CIA operatives uh, agency cannot believe the public believed it was a pancake theory. They can't believe that Building 7 just crimped and fell. You got Giolani, whatever his name is, running away from the scene, saying to the reporters, we're going to pull Building 7. Hello. And they're laughing at us. They're laughing and they're, they're using that kind of information to say, look, the public is zombies. They're just a mob. They don't even have a brain to think with. They are. So it's here's another question for you, Tom. Uh, and this, this is a really good one. So what, in this season, what crossroads do you find yourself in personally? Personally, fantastic. I mean, I see it for myself now, instead of being isolated, I mean, some of the greatest people on the planet having family replaced by people that should have been my brothers and sisters. And I'm seeing some, my, my son starting to see action and people getting involved, people calling like your friend, Tiffany Jess, and saying, you know, Tom, you're a good guy. To hear those words, you know, finally, after being isolated and, and targeted and shadow banned for so long and gaslighted, it means the world. The best thing you can hear as a writer who's done his work and done something as a service to public is to hear that I believe you. Just to hear those words, I believe you means the world because the FBI and the CIA are going to spin it the other way. The real baddies in this world right now are the FBI and the CIA of this country and the NSA. They are gods playing their own little toys. And that's why these people have these things in their heads. Nanotech. Yep. It's their greatest toy. Yeah. And just, you know, because we talked about the, the nanotech, but one of the original questions was about the MK ultra mind control. Yes. And you know, the university. Berkeley University is one of the centers for that. And that's where they get their attorneys that are the most corrupt. So Berkeley University, you need to clean up your act. I'm just telling you to the alumni and the staff. And why they do this, why they draw from one place? Because the alumni, it's a way to approach each other. Look, I have a business opportunity. Don't worry about the shadiness of it. You're from University of Berkeley. We're alumni. Let's help each other in a great business deal where we can make it in the world and help our families. They, this is what they say. And so they join in. They have the judges from Loyola or whatever it is, L-O-Y-L-A or whatever. That's, that's one of the hotbeds for corrupt judges. I'm just going to say it. Where they draw their failed writers is University of Southern California. That's the go-to place that Joel Silver goes to, to draw failed writers. If you're failing the program, you got a future. Hollywood wants you to steal material in the future. Welcome to USC. Yeah, crazy. 
Well, you bring up the, that leads to one of our next questions. Um, they'd like to know, Tom, are you working on other screenplays right now or other material? I am. And what's funny is they're using the series um, Sherlock, which Joel Silver owns of Warner Bros. Silver Pictures, to mimic me. And that's what I'm told. And so you watch Sherlock, right? The Sherlock, you'll see the guy with the blue eyes. You'll see him being kind of like a uh, sociopath, he says. That's what I'm trying to say I am. I'm not. But he'll be this outside thinker as a genius who comes up with these things and they're dropping things in that series which will indicate, you know, oh yeah, it's supposed to set up the public for a drip feed of who Tom Aldhouse is and what he's like. In that case, if they win this and they bring me in, that I'm celebrated like that character. If I, if they succeed in what they're going to do, which they're not, as Jeff said, then I'm some kind of sociopath. But they're trying to set. They're actually using their own series now that Joel Silver owns, who is the biggest ripoff of our work, to set up the idea that Tom is this way. It's fascinating. They've gone this far. Yeah, it's sad that they can make these whole narratives about us, and mm -hmm. people just accept it. They just believe it, and you know they'll make the proofs out there. You know, they'll make it so people believe it. Well, that's, you just brought up such a good point. I'll let you go, Jeff, on this one too. Um, get back at the questions. What they'll do is they'll send SWAT team to your house. They'll send police armed to the teeth. They'll send police multiple times. And then in the article, it explains why. Because, oh, the police showed up five times their home. Public's supposed to fill in the blank. There must've been something wrong with them, right? If you see SWAT team out your neighbor's home, you must think, oh, there must've been something wrong with them. Stop thinking that way. If the SWAT team are showing up these days, if the FBI is showing up these days, weapons drawn using local police corrupt force, then there's probably something good about that person, has evidence they want. They're going to seize it and try to destroy that person's life. It's part of the FBI playbook. You know, Tom, I'm reminded of a story, and this is more about, about you and, and the questions for you, but I think this will be encouraging for you and everyone in the audience. I recently heard a story about a... Uh, a pastor and apparently, you know, really devout man of God was told by God to move to a town he didn't want to move to and to start a church. And he started this church and it just began growing like wildfire. But what he didn't know was one of the elders was in one of these secret societies. And a couple people from these secret societies ended up getting saved in this guy's church. So what did they do? They started the campaign against him. Mm -hmm. A girl came forward saying, you know, he was inappropriate with me. He did this. Mm -hmm. And then 15 witnesses came against this man, including this elder from the church. So mm -hmm. obviously the, the pastor, you know, gets, loses his income, gets mm -hmm. put aside and, you know, he's on his knees in prayer, like, God, what happened? And mm -hmm. God says, don't worry, I'm going to fight for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he went through this for a year, okay? And so, you know, obviously a tough time. You've been a falsely accused, something you can relate to. Absolutely. But God Absolutely. did fight for him. And over the course of that year, every one of those people, those 15 people in the elder who came against him, their lives started to go so horribly wrong. Like everything they did backfired in their lives. Everything went wrong. God started dismantling their lives until they came forward one by one. And 
each and every one of them, including the elder, the girl who originally was probably paid to accuse him, all Mm -hmm. confessed. Mm -hmm. And he was fully restored and even greater at that time. And I say that's for you, Tom. I appreciate that because my sister, we talked about my sister. I appreciate you sharing that. She actually called me on the phone the one time and said, Tom, somewhere along the line, I screwed up. When she couldn't succeed in turning a main party against me, she called me immediately. She failed. So she calls and says, I'm somewhere along and screwed up. Then she went back to doing it. My sister with Brian Fitzpatrick, let's just iron this out real quick. Brian Fitzpatrick, a Hollywood FBI agent operative key in the whole Ukraine scandal where Trump's involved in everything else. He was the key player connected to Trudeau's counterpart of him working together as an anti-corruption bureau. What the hell is that? department, right? What the hell does that mean? Is that the contempti of Japan, you know, running around again? We're back from World War II now, and they're running around. Maybe your dog's barking wrong. We're going to go ahead and beat your family up. So this is Brian Fitzpatrick looks like they're saying now a bad Pee Wee Herman is the one who calls my sister every day and gives her rewards, exotic trips to Caribbean, London, right? Basically, it's England and America that's causing the problems in our world right now. And what's going to happen is you're seeing my sister is given congressional awards on the floor of Congress by Brian Fitzpatrick. Why? She's an unlicensed school counselor, lowest of the rung, they say in the psych field. She's at an elementary school. Why would she be given all these exotic trips? Jim and Fally show, Jim and Fa- Jim Fallon show, um, CNN spokesperson, which is owned by Warner Brothers, CNN's owned by Warner Brothers. So why all this? But you're right. What's going to happen is if I'm hauled away, it won't be because I was a problem in this country or something bad or going to harm people. It's because I was a good person who wrote something to try to wake up a world, instill faith, bring people together for good, try to whisper through art, bring a better society, help children and make a better world. That's why I'll be hauled off because I had a heart. And these guys at the CIA, FBI, Hollywood, all these guys want you to believe that everybody's dark. So you're going to haul off the good ones. That's what's going on. And if you watch us hauled off while the FBI and the SWAT team comes, it won't because we did something wrong. They'll simply say, oh, there was, he was suspected of having something. Really? Well, thank God we're doing these airways. And thank God there's still a free press and there's people with faith running it. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> so, so one of the questions is, what can you say about crimes against humanity and SRA? I would say shut down the FBI and the CIA and you'll see them diminished. <clears throat> that's good, good <laughs> wow that is so <laughs> like to the that. point tom <clears throat> well he said be brief there it is <laughs> that's it it's no accident the ci are the bad ones in the screenplay and who wanted to shut it down they did who they work for hollywood they work with or they run hollywood they run hollywood right. hollywood disney is rich because it worked for the fbi that's really what it comes down to that's who yeah. allowed them to get by copyright law <laughs> They're the first ones to abuse copyright law on Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse was supposed to become public domain, but no, FBI allowed them to have it. They got implants at copyright office. And that's proven through these guys, director and specialist who noted it. Because why? They're copywriting my title, <clears throat> putting under the name and ownership of investment firms, the biggest in the world, one located in France. Yep. FBI. Well, even in, in Michael Aquino's book, Mind Wars, um, you know, he discusses Disney and, you know, has it in his credits of, you know, who to thank for being involved in his projects. And right. he, he gives go. credit to Walt Disney. That's right. And there. 
That's fantastic. Eisner, I mean, you brought that up. Eisner, Michael Eisner's biggest payoff was to Steve Jobs, who took my idea. Yeah, Windows, Internet. Millersville University pitched the professors in the fall of 1981. That's what I did. Pitched it. Never even took the class and got a pass, passing uh, withdrawal because I pitched the idea at the very end. I showed up to one class at the very end and told them about this idea I had for a central learning area, which bleeds right into our copyrighted script. Of course, a writer who comes up with an idea is going to keep expounding on those ideas. That's why copyright law is in place, that when I go, then that becomes domain for everybody to draw off those ideas and keep getting better ones off it. That's what copyright law is supposed to do. Spread the idea not prevent it and keep it pocket lining money into Disney's pocket. All right, Tom, mm -hmm. great question. And I was thinking it as well when Angela brought this up. Have you forgiven your sister? Absolutely. Take her back in a heartbeat because I know what happened. I have a contact on tape, Jeff, on tape. I have a contact, an attorney connected to Disney on tape. And I'm talking to her. And she's, I'm saying, what about my sister? She goes, Tom, you have to understand it was threat and reward. She had great threats and rewards. I said to her, because I, I was recording. I said, what would you do if you were me? She said, she paused a long time. It's on the tape. I'd forgive her tongue. I said, okay, I will. And I told my mom that too. If she came back and said, I'm sorry, Tom. She claimed before she was my biggest fan. If she came back and said, Tom, I'm sorry. I'd do what I did before. I'd say, I'd go a thousand miles to help you, Joel. I'd be there in a heartbeat. She considered that I raised her. At her wedding, she danced with me in tears saying, you saved my life, Tom. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be alive. And they bought her off. Now she's got a tiger by the tail. She, can't, she got all these awards and all this stuff from Brian Fitzpatrick, who's now been reelected. Brian Fitzpatrick is an FBI operative. He still gets on his desk for your eyes only, fat packets from the FBI. He's still employed by the FBI. He's part of the pedophilia ring. Look him up. Brian Fitzpatrick, Pennsylvania congressman, should not be there at all. You can't be an FBI operative and a congressman. The reason they did that was because the Congress, we were told that a congressman senator could get our case in and cleared and righted. So what they did, they created a congressman to handle my sister, who's not operative. Bingo. What idiots. So I would forgive my sister in a heartbeat. Jesse, do you see the uh, yeah. question from Selah? Sarah? Yeah, I was going to ask one. That's such a good so question. Thank there, you, Sarah. Yeah, it's a great question. People out there want to know, Tom, um, you know, what can they do to support you and pray for you right now? Great question. That is hard. That's a loaded question. And, and the answer is really needed. And thank you for asking. I get emotional. One of my things is that we need to have layers and feeling. We don't need to be dumbed down. We don't let the state turn us into um zombies that don't care and don't feel let's prove them wrong let's feel let's feel a lot for our families for our loved ones and everyone else what you can do is spread the word they want this buried i went to a football stadium to watch my son's soccer game there's people from texas there and i'm they're asking what did you do where'd you come from maui what'd you do a writer i'm involved in a case with you know matrix thing and they're all like oh, we heard of you we heard your story so while they're making our numbers look like 100 viewers the whole world knows our story what can they do? Spread it, put it out there. We're told the interviews is what causes the win. So the, if you know a host that'll do an interview, put it out there, put it out there. Why don't you put Tom on? Put Tom and Jesse on, put Tom and Jeff and Jesse on, you know, put Tiffany on, put us on, put the word out there. The other side knows that they say we've won. We've won the chess game. This script right here, we can't lose. We make this. 
So the first step is get the word out. I have a lot to say, and Jeff, you can attest to that. So the thing is that, and it opens up others to get thinking, we got to stop and lift the veil, pull the curtain. The man behind the curtain needs to be revealed. Get towed out of the run and pull that curtain back. Let's get the cowardly lining running forward, not out of the facility. But right now we need to spread the word. So if you can, tell your neighbors. Tell your neighbors this is guy who they destroyed his entire family and he's not going to give up because of great people around him. As long as there's others spreading the word, I'm not going to give up. Right. If everybody deserts, then yeah, I'm going to do what I can to save my family and the remnant of it, the last son. My last son's alive because they're saying, we know you're concerned for his safety. Help me keep him safe. Start thinking so, along the line, the FBI and the CIA are corrupt as anything. Spread so the word. Let's for, get interviews out there. If you can set up an interview, do it. Pray for Tom's message to get out. Continue to pray for Tom mm -hmm. and his son. Continue to pray that, mm -hmm. by the way, I'm just going to throw this in to give Tom the confidence that God has his back and to get rid of any fear or paranoia. I, I, that's my prayer for you. I don't know if someone else will agree. All right. Watch, two, watch two the things. paranoia word. That's what they want to throw. Yeah. Um, someone just asked, what is your sister's name? And then I have another question they, because you said it so fast. They didn't catch it. Okay. Julia Zarko, Julia Zarko, Z, uh, S Z A R K O. I think it's that way. It's either Z S or S Z. I think it's Zarko Z S. -Z okay. Yeah. Julia. And do Zarko. you know anything about looking glass? Does that come into your script? Like seeing into the future? What's interesting, again, that comes from our script. Remember what the Wachowskis did is they made it up everything on, made everything up on set, holding this in hand and the visual storyboard lifted images. And they had to fill in the blanks. That's why Alice in the Wonderland entered into it. They saw the red pill, blue pill. They saw the liquid mirrors that you can pass through. So duh, if they're on set making this up, they're gonna go, oh, let's stick Alice in Wonderland to be one of the threads that helped tie the, the images together. And that's why it came in. White Rabbit, everything else, they went to town with it. So I think Project Looking Glass comes from that. I think so. I don't know the dates on when this all came up, but I, I personally believe, and I don't know the answer completely, that it's another distraction. They're trying to get people to prove that we're zombies, that we're not smart, that we'll follow any. It's like being in a hallway and throwing a bone to dogs. And they think that every time they throw a bone, we're gonna chase it. That's the image you should keep in mind. So I would say Looking Glass is one of those bones. You know, they're gonna say stuff like that all the time. It's supposed to prove we're dumb. Now, if there's a validity to it, great. I'll be the first to say I was wrong, but I think they're just throwing us a lot of bones. What they don't want us to doing is following the one trail, the one rabbit hole. This solves the problem. This is their Bible, they're drunk on it. This is what says caused us to win the chess game. Let's just do it simple, pure, no codes, nothing mystical, let's just pray have a strong faith and follow the trail laid right out in front of us that was given to us to finish this. All right, follow-up question. And then I, I know Jesse is probably gonna ask the one from, uh, oh, from D.H. Hardy, but uh, we're talking about looking glass. So you also said you had the liquid mirrors and things like that in your script. Yeah. What were the mirrors? Because right now, you know, anyone who's following, you know, the movement, the plan sort of thing, there's always this mirror effect. Right. That is uh, being talked about. So what do the mirrors have to do with this? Great question. I'll show you the page. The mirrors were lifted out of the story as a concept they want to take credit for, which Oskis didn't care about the story. They just wanted credit for everything. So what you're seeing is the liquid mirrors right there. 
So liquid mirrors are there. What are they? The security devices at the train station, that simple. If you take the red pill or the red pill or blue pill, you can pass through the liquid mirrors and enter the Immortals Program Society. So you can pass through the mirrors if you take the pill. And so what they did was they simplified it. They had a static mirror and he put his hand through it and it wiggles and gets cool effects. Hollywood's known for just keeping overdoing the effects. What it is really is just liquid mirrors are the, what traps him between worlds. He needs the Trinity character to get him through because she's still in the program. If you're in the program, you can pass through the mirrors. If you're not, you'll be cut in half. Yeah. Um, somebody asked <clears throat> if I could clarify in Looking Glass. And so the mirrors is a great segment. Um, if you go back through history books, fairy tales, um, you know, you can track the traveling through mirrors. You know, it goes all the way back even before grim fairy tales. Um, so, you know, this has been a part of witchcraft and divination for centuries. Mm -hmm. And then our government took that as Project Looking Glass. And, you know, what it is, is basically you're interfacing in the spiritual world with spiritual beings, um, you know, gaining foreknowledge about things that are to come. Um, my experience with that was that, um, you know, I would see things like as in a vision mm -hmm. and would see like, you know, specific events in the future mm -hmm. and how they would unfold. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it's been, it's been around for quite a long time. Okay. And then, you know, to follow up with that, uh, the question was asked, you know, did you create Neo, the Neo character after yourself, Tom? Great question. Whoever said that, brilliant. Yes, of course, yeah, I did. As a young writer, when you're writing a door opening piece, your first real work, you're gonna model a character, a lead character after yourself, because then you can flesh him out. You already know yourself. So you can put that as, that's, that's a smart thing to do in order to get a fleshed out character when you're first starting out. And other writers out there, do draw off yourself because that way you know that character and you can create a character that's pliable, uh, realistic and believable and layered. It's very important. So good question. Along with the mirrors too, uh, the, this one guy that was on Maui, he was a radio announcer who was actually a good friend of mine. They bought him off. And what they did was they had this uh, fringe festival where he had his own play then brought forward with a looking glass. He cast me as the lead and I had to pass through the looking glass and talk to myself. And that's what it happened. It happened to be that I got the award for best actor for the Fringe Festival. So, but that was interesting. They put that right in there after he was bought. And, and people are asking more about the looking glass. Uh, and Jesse, you might confirm or deny this, but what my intel has been telling me is they can no longer see into the future. Yeah, everything has been revealed. It, it was back in 1984 um what what they're playing off of now like i've explained how there were you know basically <clears throat> all the people who were involved in the experiments saw the future in three different ways um you know the one person would see kind of like the end what were the events what was the final outcome of those events the other person you know, would see what's the step-by-step, step. like they could never see the end, but they could see all these step-by-steps, like what would happen throughout the future. The third person would see, you know, what were the events, the step-by-step, step, and what were the consequences if that event unfolded? 
So, you know, they've spent years piecing these three things together to basically make a playbook to know, you know, the sequence, the time of events. And then, you know, they compare that to, you know, astrologically what they're seeing, the signs in the stars, the skies, because scripture tells us that the Lord, you know, reveals everything, that it's all written in the stars and the skies. And, you know, they would compare it with scripture especially the book of revelations and that would give them timelines and you know time frames for the times and the seasons um but it only goes so far you know the revelations is already complete you know it's a completed work the lord's told them when things end and how they're going to end and no matter how much they want to play with that or change that up you know they'll talk about you know, they put everything onto timelines that there's multiple timelines, but at one point, all the timelines reconverge. Why is that? Because God only has one plan and that plan will be fulfilled exactly according to his word. One thing Mark Taylor has been saying a lot, and I, I just happen to believe it because it, it resides in my spirit is the knowledge that they're drawing from a lot, you know, the uh, comes from the the tree, the other tree in the garden with knowledge of good and evil, and that is dried up. So the psychics and that can't even see stuff now, and yeah, you know, it's, they have to. There's only one spot to go get it, and that's uh, the tree of life. Tom, there's another question: Is there a link or somewhere where someone can read your script? We had it up, and then it got struck down. We had it up. And then when the attorneys provided us that were throwing our case, said, strike it down. They kept having us remove our sites. Then our sites will be listed as virus. Then they can't get to them. Then all this other stuff it became a monkey show. We had um, these seven girls in California because the script talks about the seven ladies uh, under the Oracle. And um, they were gonna, you know, they, they copied it off to publish it, to put it up. They did the matchups with it, everything. And then they pulled the rug, they were bought off. So it keeps this circus seesaw thing where we want it up, but it keeps being taken down. The trick to it is we need to put it up with the matchup scene. Now, a lot of people say, well, let's just put it up pristine. I'll read it pure. That's what the other side wants you to do. You have to reverse engineer it. You have to look at it as they lifted the images out because it's not going to be the same story. It'll be this, all the images that are iconic will be there. Robot-like agents, Jack's the neck like the Wachowskis said they want to do, little girl at the train station, identical figures at the end, the squiddies, tunnels, everything. So what you have is in red pill. So what you have is by tagging it with the matchups like this, which we're going to show all those tabs and things like this, there's 190 of them. It shows that just one of those means that it was stolen. That means the other side's in trouble. It puts them in a panic. So that's what we're going to educate the public with. We're going to put it up pristine and also tabbed with it pointed out. I'll that way you can- make the movie, Tom. Hmm? That's what we want, but they, they keep sending people our way. You're right, Jeff. They keep sending people our way saying, we're going to do a blend. Let's do a blend. Daniel Levin connected to Disney and Warner Brothers Universal Studios out in California was one of my handlers. He said, we're going to put billboards up. You'll run for president. Lee had big plans for me. But the thing was, they said that, um, you know, let's just make a different version of it, different ending. Well, that's interesting because the Wachowskis kept the same ending I have. What's more telling? You know, when everybody said, blow it up. So what's going on is they just found that article that they said that in too, our research team. So what <clears throat> is they're doing is uh, Marvel Comics <clears throat> wants to do a blend. I'm supposed to write with Paul Anderson 
And what happens is uh, Paul Anderson and I are supposed to write this blend of Cypher Man and the Immortals. <clears throat> You'll hear my throat close up right now <clears throat> because at a certain time, this implant stuff can trigger and the first thing it does is shut down your airwaves. It'll cause your upper respiratory to go. And so apparently they don't want me talking about this, but I'm gonna keep talking. So go ahead, anyway. Oh, it's a fun game they play. Do you have another question lined up, Jesse? Um, I think we got the majority of them. Um, there, there was someone asking kind of about, you know, what do you experience or what do the toxic symptoms, how do you experience those? But I think you kind of answered that. Um, well, there's a, there's a layer to that question. You'll hear me choking right now, but that's okay. <clears throat> I've learned to live with it. <clears throat> and uh, one of the things I would tell people suffering from this stuff is don't panic. Um, take care of yourself. Let loved ones know what you're going through. Don't be afraid they're gonna think you're nuts. This is real tech. Uh, they're bragging more and more about it, even in the film drops. And so, yes, it goes on. This is a tactic, it's the latest toy and they're fascinated by it. But um, one of the symptoms is like, you will uh, start to feel great pain, like a migraine, simulated migraine. You'll feel um, uh, respiratory will shut down somewhat. Um, you'll have this uh, feeling of, um, uh, pressure, like someone put a band around your head and the frontal lobe will ache, a hot ache. Your eyes will burn. They'll feel like they're hot and they'll actually turn red. And so there's physical signs you can actually see this is happening. So, but yeah. yeah. And, and what I do to overcome some of those things is, you know, they're, they're interfacing between the spiritual and the physical world and attacking you. And so I really attack it in the spiritual world and I will anoint myself, pray, you know, for the Lord to bring that healing. And also I will rebuke it, you know, rebuke the sickness, rebuke the symptoms and start proclaiming, you know, what I have in the Lord, that the Lord is my healer. He's my protector. You know, he's the one who keeps me safe. He's my, the air that I breathe. Um, so those three things, anointing, rebuking, and proclaiming. Mm -hmm. And on the proclaiming thing too, you can actually talk to the operatives. I mean, yeah. my mom will call and she'll hear a male voices on the phone, the California seven, they would hear the guys talking on the phone after they hung up, you know, they, they'd still be on the phone talking. And so this is real, it's happening. And you can actually talk to them and you can reason with them too. Now they're fans of the work. They're fans of the work, right? The screenplay. And they'll say that often when they talk to you, when they actually do approach, they'll say, oh, really fans of your work, you're really a cool guy. Well, they're actually supposed to bring you down. That's why the planes fly over and tip their wings and the little circus goes on when you talk about the air circus. So they wanna come on board. And a lot of these guys even said, we hope you succeed. I've had contacts for the other side tell me, I can't wait till this is over and we can be friends and have dinner. Right. Like, that's, that's what it is right now. So it's like, they, they don't wanna be on, it's like a bully trying to keep his little circle in line. And the guys actually go, I wanna be on, his team i want to play with him so yeah it's, we it's take advantage we will witness to them you know it's like hey if you're listening in on the phone well you know here's how you come to the lord and you know we'll take advantage of those moments and pray over them and uh <laughs> you're seeing the results are turning on each other they really are like i'll say to them i'll say like yeah dust your resumes off you know if some of you guys listening you're part of the story you can share some great stuff <coughs> 
we're all coughing today. on a winning team. And so it's interesting to see like guys will disappear, guys will be shut down, guys will be killed right. on the other side. They're tearing each other up now. So the guys in charge that put all these minions out there, they're starting to feel a little nervous that maybe we have got the bigger carrot on the stick in their view. Tom, yeah. here's a great question <laughs> from Chantel. Tom, outside of Jess and Jeff, uh, Jeff and Jesse, do you have anyone close to you that you can trust for support and or protection? That is a great question. Now, I don't answer that question because one of the things they do in depth is a good question, but it, you'll understand my situation. In depositions, the first thing they ask me is, do you have any friends? They want you isolated, alienated. If I say names, they'll be approached. The FBI is going to go to their home. They're going to be drilled, just like this lady that just happened, this crystal lady, just got approached on a Saturday for four hours by the FBI and offered rewards. I'm tired of being the Santa where I'm giving, uh, because someone's my friend, they can sell out and get a better lifestyle, new car, beach home. I don't want to do that anymore. I'd like my friends to actually, you know, be a family and we get this done and have a remnant to actually finish the job, but I don't want to put them out there. I don't want Hold to- Hold on, Tom. New car, beach home? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I have this guy named V, right? There's this guy named V that was going to do the documentary and did these interviews and things. And I said to him, you know, I'm glad you held in there. And he said the worst thing you could say to me. He goes, well, Tom, they haven't offered me my price yet. And he wasn't laughing. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, prices. Um, but the thing is, the, the whole film industry makes it so that who are the real heroes? Who's the underdogs? <laughs> what are all the movies wrapping up like, right? The people that actually do what we're doing right here, you know? And they want to make the real life film. They're all excited about it. That's why the Richard Jewell story was done by Warner Brothers. They want to test the waters and also be able to say, well, it's already been done. No, not like this, not for three decades. And so we are all that are doing the right and doing right and doing God's will here are in the most incredible movie ever to be made. So that's a big carrot. And Hollywood's all worn, uh, concerned about their legacies. So that's why they keep offering that blend thing. Let's do an Immortals blend with our studios or these studios or do help our writers out. It's well known throughout Hollywood that yeah, I'm the writer. And what we're learning now is the movie I pitched, the movies I pitched was the dream movie I called it and the Immortals. They blended them into Inception, Warner Brothers, Matrix, Warner Brothers. All this stuff is blended, but you can't blend the two films of mine into one. It doesn't work. That's why Neo flies in the Matrix. That's stupid. Then why even, you just roll the credits. He's already won. If he can fly like Superman and flight like Superman, there's no story here. He's not supposed to have those powers, but they wanted the dream movie segment. Inception's got everything from the dream movie I pitched and they did a bad job with it. Too much shooting, too much yelling, too much. You know. And they just relied too much on special effects, which That's they right. always do because they don't have imaginations. Tom, you gotta, it has to be made properly with your vision. Yes. The, the yes. person who creates the vision has to carry the vision through. That's one well thing said. that's very well true. But I have a, I have another question for you because we've talked about this before. Like, as you've done these plays that played on Broadway and that with the Hudson Company. Is there video of that where we can post it and show some of your work or show some of your acting chops? <clears throat> yeah, you can. <clears throat> see, they're really <laughs> go guys. Um, yeah. What's happening? You can take drinks and doesn't even stop it. <clears throat> it's amazing. It's just like a anyway, nanotech. Love it. 
what we do, I do have lots of clips of my work. In fact, I want to do the domestics, the domestics, which is green lighted off Broadway, the sheen. I have the letter. Yes, I have the letter that says, you know, it, we, our team laughed out loud. It was delight. We want to put it on. Great, cool, off Broadway. Yay. Um, yes, a lot of my work is still up, I think, on the dark web. They're saying, like, basically, I'm being erased from the regular web. But if you go to the dark web, I don't know exactly how that works. You'll see just like Tom Altus is all over the board. He's all over the place. So they've been so busy trying to bury it, but it's going to come back up. The hand's coming out of the earth. We're going to come back up. So but yes, but there like, must be something. Could you put something, some clips or anything like that yeah. on your website? Or Oh, absolutely. We will. We'll put. That's a great idea. We'll put some acting up. Because they're saying like, you know, no nothing hack, famous for nothing. That's what the FBI wants too, is to say, you know, he hasn't done anything. Well, here's, what's that? 2011, top 20 on Maui for making a difference. The one guy selected in the arts. I think that's something. I never toot a horn, but now I'm going to because it's time. Because I don't want the FBI to succeed in their strategy. On Maui Magazine, where my feature is listed, my play is a main uh, article. And it says, you know, Tom Oldhouse's work is like Shakespeare and Mozart. I would say that's not a know-nothing hack with Chosky's and Warner Brothers and FBI. And then there's a thing for critics pick. Let's just look at that real quick. I mean, I think this is important right now. I think you brought it up. Critics pick in uh, Hollywood for Midsummer Dream. So it just goes on and on and on. Hoku Award for best actor, a uh, best comic actor, best, you know. So it's like, oh, there's awards all over the shelves behind me. I wouldn't put them up before, but now I'm going to, because they're saying no nothing hack, famous for nothing. Uh, that's part of the strategy to shut you down, take you away and say public nothing to see here. No, I have a lot of awards for my work. And now I'm gonna claim it and stand up and try to drive forward so others don't go through what I went through. And, but yes, and Tom, if you could get Angela to send links or anything like that, I will also post it on on our channel. Uh, we'll I'll post it on the Facebook group, which has Good. grown quite a bit. Um, you know, I'd love to help you get it out there. Let's do this, Jeff. Angela said something. My manager said something about you saying about the domestics. I'd like to do a reading of the domestics sometime. I'd like to do something way off color and do a domestics reading. And any actors out there that want to get on board that are right on radio fans can be part of it. And let's just read this work and see if it's actually good. How many, actors do, you, how many actors do you need for the domestics? <clears throat> you can do it. Well, to make it marketable regional, you have to have like at least 12, right? 12, keep it at 12. But you can have 21 people involved in this. 21, because it'd be great for community theaters, things like that. But this, I guarantee you, people will like. It's my matrix for the stage. Let's see if I got the chops. Let's put it up and let people determine for themselves. So could we, could it, would it, so it would like, it would tell the story as an audio play. Yeah, we would just do it. We can see our faces all like the Brady Bunch, but we can do like, you know, everybody's reading their parts and stuff and throwing a hat or two. And you can like, we can do a reading on, on, on everybody have their scripts sent to them and read it on air. I'd be brilliant. But they wouldn't want that. That's for sure. Hollywood. Yeah. Let's I've talk about that off air. I have a, I have a better right. execution strategy for that. Perfect. But I think it'd be fun to let people have their day in the sun. Yep. That Why sounds not? like an amazing Let's idea. Yeah. It's a matrix for the stage. But yeah, Angela, get those clips to you and, and we'll get it up. Great idea. You know, that it's also what's interesting is all the people that get approached all the people get approached. I have known the most amazing, beautiful, talented, incredible, intelligent women. And they've all been approached mercilessly. They want you isolated. Like here is Missy Noller. I was engaged to her. Brilliant, A student off the charts, we're gonna go into law. And she was turned. She was approached daily, people calling her on the phone, hang up calls, sex calls. Um, call approached by people saying, don't hang with Tom, he's an evil person, he's bad. 
She didn't know him. And she's asking the person, who told you to say this? Well, somebody else told me to come to you and do it. That's how organized it is. This lady talking about bloodlines is actually descended from, um, oh, what is it? Uh, Charlemagne, that's what she said. Came to me and said, Tom, I can't breathe around you. I got to talk to you. And you can't just approach me, ask me out. Next thing she's approached two weeks later. And she said she didn't know the person that approached her, but they were warning her off. They do not want you with smart, beautiful, intelligent ladies because they can't push that crazy claim that it defeats them. It's their biggest concern. So, but that's part of the playbook. Anybody going through this, uh, that's one of the ways you can tell they'll be approaching anybody you care about, including your sisters and family. Tom, in your evidence reel, you have uh, some comments from George Michael, because someone just brought it up in the uh, thing. Tell us about George Michael. George Michael was a gem of a man, a great man. And to pitch my screenplay, I had to first ask the record companies if I could use the music I wanted to use. So George Michael, the song was perfect for the end credits. If you listen to Praying for Time, listen to the words. Tell me that would not be the perfect Matrix, even ripped off version, uh, end credits. What's it called? Is Praying for Time Praying by George Michael? Time. Praying for Time by George Michael. Another song that I used was um, In the Lap of the Gods, the Pyramid album, which is interesting, by um, Alan Parsons. So each of these companies are contacted. So George Michael gives the green light. In 1993, George Michael gives the green light. Go ahead and you submit my song. Now, why is that important? It's a great question, first of all, whoever asked this. Great question. George Michael is a witness that the work was done in 1993 because he saw the screenplay to consider the work and saw it all the way to the end because it's the end credits. And so if you look at the immortal screenplay right here, which they were gonna switch out for eight pages of scribbled notes, let's look at the very last thing on it. The very last thing after little girl points to the sun is, George Michael's praying for time. There it is. And he, George now, Michael that, actually did give you an endorsement and you have that as well. Said, yeah, he said, go ahead. And so what happens is, well, we know it because it was submitted through the attorneys with his music. Wouldn't do that unless he gave the permission. But the problem is George Michael was a witness that the work was completed in 93. Their big issue right now is there's no title for the matrix until 1996 because the Wachowskis were not selected to steal it, weren't allowed to pick a title until 1996. And so what happens is, you know, when the work done is 1999. So they wanna say that I didn't create my work now until 1996. Well, George Michael disproves that, so they kill him on Christmas. And what do they say? The Hollywood movie code is, if you ever hear somebody's used as their heart gave out, they're murdered. Nobody's so you just broke out. some really big news here. Tom, you're saying that George Michael was killed. Yes, he was murdered by the FBI. Now, how do you know it's the FBI that killed him? Because the FBI, on every film you'll see, copyright protection, FBI, copyright penalties, FBI, FBI office on Wiltshire Boulevard, FBI is the one that's messing with me, FBI has Brian Fitzpatrick, who controls my sister, who's an operative, also as a congressman, time to shut the department down. FBI is the one that's talked to me directly. FBI is the one that recruited me to work with them. The FBI, CIA operatives are the ones that approached me too and told me I'm part of the elite. The FBI runs the show. FBI has no one's policing them except the FBI. FBI controls the judges. The FBI controls this country. They are a chicken on the run with no one able to catch them. 
it's time to put them back in the pen. They like us back anytime they want. To Nixon's era, even before then, but you had the group of the FBI, you know, called the Finders. Mm-hmm. So that's still who is behind the show. Yes, it is. And for as far as child pedophilia, FBI protects them. Right. They're interested in making money, having power, and having their legacies later and telling their stories and shocking you. Lauren Holmberg of the CIA connected to FBI connected was telling about piles of arms and little arms and legs in Africa. He was testing me while he's grooming me. How am I gonna to react to that? Piles of little arms and legs. And what they do is these guys know where the kids are and they'll release a couple. Watch, even after this interview, if this goes out here, as it goes out, watch the some news article or some banner headline about the FBI releasing some kids and finding some kids. Bless them. They're gonna release about 20 kids, maybe 20 because it makes them look like the good guys. They're the ones that investigate everything that they instigated. It's the Federal Bureau of Instigation. Yeah. All about their own power. I've had FBI operators that were amazing guys like Josh on um, Maui, great guy. Took two days with me going over all my evidence for the screenplay and said, Tom, I hope you get to see the headlines where you get justice, justice and you're a great guy. And he was a great guy on the lower end at building one in uh, Waluku, Maui. What happens is he takes it to the Wahoo offices, excited to bring it forward and says, they shut me down right away. Yeah, the heads of the FBI do not want this going forward. They want their power. They want their set up and they get rewards and they get good, nice little perks. And you're gonna watch them shooting their own. You're gonna see videos where there, someone the FBI decides it's time to come forward and make a difference. They'll be rushing down the highway in their SUV. They'll be pulled over, shot in the car, shot in the car, pulled out and shot in the ground. No claim he pulled a gun. No, he was on his way to reveal information. The highways they control because they control the local police anytime they want. The FBI trains local police chiefs to do their bidding at Quantico in Virginia and gives them a yellow brick that they put on their wall. And they're part of the FBI squad. So our police chiefs, mainly all white bread people, overweight white bread guys, are what's brought down and all you need for their program is a high school equivalency. And all you have to do is do this credible thing you brag about, the, th- the yellow brick road run, great. What is it? You can crawl, walk, scooter along the six miles and get this yellow brick and you're some kind of hero. And what kills me is these two agents that went into this Florida man's home who had done nothing, nothing, and caused him to be embarrassed where he even took his own life. And they're being lauded as heroes. Heroes? Stay away from the innocent people's homes. You're not heroes. You're thugs. Well, Tom, this has been amazing with you as always. And yeah, we're gonna have to address that uh, doing doing that uh, that script. Uh, as I say, I've got some interesting yes, ideas to do that with. And uh, because we had you on twice this week, we'll probably not go Tuesday or we'll have to wait a week or so uh, before we get back to you. But we will get back to you because we're fascinated. <laughs> Honestly, Tom, it's just, well, it's incredible. Because you guys, I'm still here. Because you're, I'm still here. Because you're putting it out there, I'm still here. Like a person that had that eloquent question about what we do to help. Put, spread the word, spread the word. I'm here because I'm able to speak because the word's out. And that's the other side has said. Otherwise, I'm hauled off. I'm hold off. They're banging on the door and they bang hard. Bam, bam, bam with their automatic weapons. They can just bust in and I'm hold off. What crime did I commit? None. None. 
yeah. I tried to help. I tried to make a difference. And I just said a lot of things they didn't want me to say. So you know the rev and their engines. But thank you for having me on. Well, we're going to continue to do it, Tom. It's uh, it's really important. It says it blows my mind the synergy between your script and what's happening right now. Like these They're are simple. these and, and you know, being someone who really believes in the prophetic, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it's there. <laughs> you know what we should do, Jeff? Let's take a look at some of the things in the pages. I'll send it to you too that haven't been tapped yet because they will, won't they? We can. We got the book. Let's take a look at it. Let's see what else is coming up. Because the next show we do, let's, I want you to do, do your homework, pull out those specific things, send them to me in advance so I can pretend to be knowledgeable. <laughs> and Jesse as well. We, I'll copy yeah. Jesse on it. And, uh, and let's do that. Yeah. The experts witness said we had the fantastic world, created a fantastic world. Let's have that fantastic world. Amen. And they can, they can be our janitors. All right, great. Fantastic. So just in closing, uh, Jesse and I, a week from today, are going to be celebrating our 100th episode of Right On Radio. Uh, by the way, we're, we're almost tripling in a month right now at the rate we're going. It's shooting really fast. And Jesse, we're probably going to have more than one really exciting announcement next week. We will. <laughs> Do you, you want to give any? There's going to be some movement now. Any clues? Any? No, I'd rather keep people in suspense and say, "Tune in." Is it's it going to be, be an worth exciting tuning episode? In? Is it going to be worth tuning Absolutely. in, Jesse? <laughs> yeah. So yes, definitely. We've got some really big stuff, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about the army and stuff like that. Um, We'll probably cover some news just depending on what's happening in the audience. Uh, there's a lot of news we have today, but you know, uh, there's so many channels covering. I know we take a different perspective on it, but uh, if you follow this channel, we've kind of already been addressing the future. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're basically laying it out. And, and by the way, we're pretty confident in what we're saying. Um, so yeah, tune in next Sunday. Do not miss the show. Make sure you have all kinds of people because there's actually, I'm suspecting, going to be an incentive for you to watch that show on Sunday. Because if you miss it, you might miss something very special that you might not be able to jump on to. So I'll leave it there. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Jesse. Go, Casey. Watch the uh, halftime show for comms because they're always showing their plans. Oh, Jesse's quiet on me today. <laughs> You're cutting in and out there, Jeff. Oh, uh, all I'm saying is going to watch the uh, halftime show and get the comms. So we'll probably have to do a little bit yeah. of a decode on that on uh, on Tuesday's show, Jesse. Sounds good. Pray that I'll be able to see it. Sometimes I'm getting blocked from seeing a lot of those things right now. So <laughs> you and tech is very challenging, Jesse. It really is. Anyways, thank yeah. you all, and thank you for listening. Most of all, uh, for being part of this show, and truly. The audience we have, we've got the best audience on the internet because 
you guys, I've been watching the chats and, you know, I'm seeing the shepherd of the sheeple army working, you know, even in the chats and things like that. And it just, it really humbles us. Uh, we thank you for being part of this. Uh, this is something we're all doing together. And, uh, you know, and even with Tom, we're, we want a better world. We, we want God's plan to come to fruition and God works through people. So why can't he use you and me? There, he wants to use you and me. So we got to get involved. There's no more, uh, you know, just uh, being on the side, laying on your couch. It's time to get active. So join the Shepherd of the Sheeple Army, which, by the way, Terry gave it a brilliant name. And going forward, it's going to be named the SOS Army. And I love SOS because it also stands for Save Our Souls, mm -hmm. of course. And uh, of course, most of us are saved, but if you're not, we'll work on that as well. But we do want to save souls going forward as well. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. Who's right? Who's right? He's right. Right on radio. Right on radio.